Welcome to the CrossFit Oakland podcast. In this episode, Mike, Ben, and Robin welcome a special guest. Some of you may know her as the world famous Ada, Dr. J, or Ada Hargi. She's an amazing physical therapist who's been with the CrossFit Oakland community for a very long time. She even worked out of the funky office that you now see Ben and Mike hunker down in all the time. She jumps on this to talk about how, why, and what she is seeing in her space in the physical therapy realm and how sheltering in place might actually help you become a better athlete, a stronger person, and over time, develop the habits and movement patterns through very simple practices to make your life better. We talk about a number of things throughout the podcast, how Ada is collaborating with some of the best people around, how we can learn from her and she can learn from us, and the fascinating pieces of movement, crawling, pushing, pulling, and everything that goes into life. Also, Ada gives us some great tips, tricks, and thoughts on how to prevent pain, manage an injury, and risk manage the gym so that you can be at home a fitter, healthier, and better version of yourself. Hang on to your seats, folks. This is a great episode. You're in for a treat. And here we go. We're recording now. All right, guys, welcome back to the world's greatest CrossFit Oakland podcast. And we have a very special guest today. I call her Dr. J, sometimes because I can't pronounce her last name. And I'll have her come on uh, and talk about herself in a moment. But we are talking about none other than, especially if you guys have been at CFO for longer than three years, you remember when Ada here used to uh, practice out of, uh, out of our office. It was a great pleasure having her there. I got to always bounce things off of her, and she she's a she has a wealth of knowledge about a number of things related to health and fitness, and that's why we want her on today to talk a little bit more about that stuff. Uh, so, without further ado, here is Dr. J. Um, one thing that we how we usually start Ada is we ask people to tell them tell us a little bit about themselves. What's your story? What's your background? What are you up to these days? So welcome, Ada. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks, Mike. Um, so that pronunciation on that last name is Haragi, Mike. You're, you're going to get it one day. I, I really believe it. It's been Jaguar, Jargi, and now it's today. I appreciate it. So um, I'm a doctor of physical therapy. I've been practicing for 10-plus years uh, in the Bay Area exclusively, born and raised in L.A., uh, my heart is definitely in sports and orthopedics, and I had the pleasure of working very closely with the CFO fam by having my first practice in the actual gym in Emeryville, and that was by far one of the best experiences. Very humbling, very grounding for sure. Um, it taught me how to use my imagination um, because at that time I didn't have a bunch of equipment or a space, but I got to learn a lot from the coaches in the gym and fast forward. Now I have my own practice um, in Piedmont and I have all the toys, and all the access that I need to rehab my patients and clients. So uh, I know this about you, but uh, why don't you tell us what kind of clients you work with? Like 
it's every day and then not so every day at clients. So give, give us an example of some of the people that you work with. No, without naming names, but like the level of people that you Just work with. Just name drop a little bit. No. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's really interesting that um, I've had a really great opportunity to work with every possible age group and also every possible background in terms of like the sports and orthopedic space. So from kids as young as eight years of age to uh, patients as old as 75, but all very active people from high school, uh, grade school, high school, collegiate um, professional uh, athletes to recreational athletes to extreme sport athletes. But every possible sport, I think, I've actually gotten the, uh, I've had the opportunity to work with. So from an Olympic level athlete, all the way to the NFL, MLB, um, hockey, uh, professional gymnastics, um, just, I mean, literally every, every sport. And it was a lot of fun actually to have some of these guys, um, at CFO when I was there. Um, and I had the, you know, opportunity to show them like a really cool gym and a really, really big space. Um, but yeah, it's it's every possible um, sports and orthopedic. Are you laughing at me, Robin? <laughs> no, it was her dog who was barking. my dog barking. <laughs> I, was like, oh my I, I love you, Ada. <laughs> Continue, please. My um, Yeah. So every every sport. Uh, recreational to professional sport. I've had the opportunity to work with that demographic. Do you, do you, side note, do you have, I thought I saw something on your, one of your social things. Do you have Mark Freeman working with you guys now? Oh, he has actually worked with us. Yeah. Um, he's worked with our law enforcement program. Yeah. He's um, awesome. Pretty amazing guy. Yeah. Mark is the, what, assistant or head gymnastics coach at Cal, and plus he has his own. Not anymore. He's at Stanford now. Oh, Stanford. He's moved up big time. Yeah. yeah he's at Stanford uh, men's gym. Uh, he's, a, I believe, the assistant coach for the men's gym, gymnastics team um, yeah. at Stanford. As of this year, he left Cal um, on good terms. Everything's positive. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. He's by far one of the most humble um, people I've ever worked with. Really amazing strength and conditioning coach. I'm very lucky to get to work with him with our projects. Cool, cool. That um, kind of reminds me of one of the things that is so special about Ada is that she thrives on collaborating. And correct me if I'm wrong with, on anything I say about you, but um, she loves to collaborate across all different specialties. It's not all about what she knows. She wants to know what everybody else knows. And I just think that that's made you so much better and on such a different level than anybody else in your field. It's really cool. Thank you. No, I think that's the, the um, relationship that I have with, with most of the coaching community. It is, you know, it's a different lens that I, I don't have the same lens. We all share a very different lens in our professions, but that's what makes us better. Um, and that's where those collaborations come together and, ultimately we're all in it for either the client or the patient, right? So it's like our why is all the same and we collectively come together and it's like, oh, I saw this and I saw this and how do we put that all together? And that's why I love working with strength and conditioning coaches and athletic trainers, um, sports massage therapists, because everybody brings a little a different element into the patient and the, or the client's case. And that just gets, gives us better results. 
So it's like our, our why is all the same and we're all on the same sort of trajectory to get somebody there to move better, to get stronger. But it's ultimately for like, a, you know, the long term effect. It's like for longevity. It's that that's the goal. It's like we all want to move well throughout our lifetime. And how do we do that? And then how do we help um, those individuals or groups of individuals do that? So that's like the fun part for me. Like that's where doing this type of work is really exciting. It's like we get to learn, but at the same time, the, the reciprocity lies in like how we put all our heads together to get somebody to be really excited about movement again or to be better at movement or be more proficient. So I really, really love the, the community that we have and that we get to share for sure. So along those lines, Ada, what's the like common theme you see across like so you you you've worked with a broad spectrum what's like the the common thing you see across the people who who i would say like you help and are successful with what you do so like if if someone comes to you and you you know that they're going to be successful because they do x and y you know what i mean right i think um the, the biggest thing that I find is that we all have to honor every individual. So it's such an individualized process. Um, I think there's a, a marrying of science and art. And I think that's where our strength and conditioning community really brings that to the table because it's like nobody fits a box, right? We all have ideas and we have this tool belt and we kind of like apply different uh, methodologies and philosophies. But fundamentally, it's like, how do we look at a person and like really honor their anatomy and the way they move and their size and their levers and how then do we come up with a program for them together? But it's, it really isn't like, Oh, let me pull out this. Like you have a knee, I have a sheet for the knee. You know, it's like nobody moves the same, but yes, you know, we have fundamentals about joints. Like this is a hinge joint. This is a ball and socket. We know biomechanically it moves like this, but not every individual moves the same. So the, the success in what we do together is that we can take ourselves out of it and look at the individual and say, oh, okay, so what are your goals? Not what are my goals, what are your goals? And then based off the information I have about you and what I know, how do we work together and then come up with a, a strategy and a plan that's gonna like optimize your performance. So that's kind of like where I, I really, um, I would say I lie very heavily on really understanding the person that comes through the doors and then also information that I get from coaches. Like that is such valuable information when it's like, hey, what are you doing with your coach? And what is he working or she working on? And then on top of that is also looking at if it's a professional athlete or a high level recreational athlete is looking at film um, before they come in. It's like really paying attention to the details and the nuances of their movement because stylistically we have something that's very unique about how we do things when we perform even like walking you know it's like it's unique to everybody so that's that would be like the theme it's like individualization um, and having fluidity in the and marrying science and art So along those lines, Ada, when, when people come to you and they've been engaging in like CrossFit or some strength and conditioning program, what are some of the kind of um, pitfalls that you see people who are brand new to starting out um, 
what, what kind of what kind of problems do you see when folks are starting out with a strength and conditioning program that we can maybe help them avoid today in this um, podcast? Understanding, of course, that everyone's a little bit different, but there there have to be some common issues that pop up. Oh, for sure. I think the biggest one to be like kind of like general would be that we don't meet our prerequisites. So if we think of something very fundamental as, um, you know, walking, there are some basic prerequisites to move forward or to get to running. Um, we have to acknowledge that that is a, there's a requirement of, you know, approximately 30 degrees of ankle range of motion to be able to run um, distance, not necessarily sprint. So ultimately, the biggest thing I would say is like understanding that there are prerequisites for most movements, right? So it's like you need to have X number of degrees of elbow flexion or X number of degrees of shoulder um, flexion to be able to get under a bar or to clean a bar. So those are things that we, yes, we do stylistically move very uniquely, but prerequisites, a lot of times people skip those. And they want to get to the big sexy movement right away. Or a lot of times people are looking for sweat equity and it's like, yeah, it it feels good. It's like endorphin high, but then we're skipping prerequisites or fundamentals and like, Hey, we can probably tighten this up and get you to move better. So that say you're not just dumping the entire load on your knees because you're, you're lacking stability. So I would say the biggest, um, area that I, I see where we may fall short a little as a whole as an industry sometimes we let people skip prerequisites and get into like bigger faster movements when they they actually should be like scaled back a little bit and say like hey let's work on this first to get to this there's sort of a roadmap and it does look a little different for everyone that's where individualization comes in from the, the coaching lens and working together but it is prerequisites need to be honored for every person before we go too far too fast. I find it so interesting that you bring up walking because this is Ben and I during normal times every Friday we meet face to face and we call them our Friday fireside chats and we um, we always talk about what's the most like the primal thing that everyone should be able to do pain free and we always we, we've come to agreement on walking and then uh, shortly after that would be then like loaded carries or carries and then maybe we get into running but but, but uh, it's really interesting that you're saying the same thing oh yeah 100% but it, I think it's you know thinking of sort of like some of the questions you guys um, sent me and it was like yeah like the first thing that we look at when somebody walks through the door as a clinician is I watch them walk I watch their pattern it's like do they do like an, do they have an arm swing or do they lack an arm swing? And if they lack arm swing, like what does that asymmetry look like? Are they holding their arm? Are they, you know, are they not pushing off? It gives you literally so much information like out the gate. It's like there's something's going on with their hips, something's going on with their knee or something's going on with their ankle. But you start to see it very quickly just by watching somebody walk. Like I nerd out at like, I mean, I do that now. It's kind of sad, but like, you know, I'm going to go for a walk. And I'm like, I watch people. I'm like, I'm not in, you know, clinics seeing all these people walk from clinic, but I have like literally all of my community to watch. I'm like, ooh, yeah, that hip, that hip is out. You know, you're like favoring a side. You're like, ooh, what's wrong with the shoulder? You know, it becomes kind of fun, kind of nerdy, but, you know, it's like that. Yeah, you're like that guy in that Bruce Willis movie where you see dead people, but you see people walking. <laughs> it's actually sad but true. Like, wow, look at that abnormal gait over there. Yeah. I'm by myself in this, usually. 
but, but also I, I think it's, I do it too. So it's that's really funny. <laughs> I also think it's a huge red flag if people say, you know, I can't even. I mean, there's obvious stuff, but like if you are in pain when you're walking, that's like a huge red flag, and we gotta address that right away. And you should not be partaking in some sort of like five k um, five k prep plan or something like that. 100%. It's back to like those prerequisites and fundamentals, like basic, you know, you use the term primal. And I would like agree. Yeah, it's like, fundamentally, we have these like movement patterns that humans perform. And you should be able to perform those at a baseline. And if you can't, then it's like, then there's something's going on. And that's going to impede your performance when we get into higher performance or, you know, more uh, complicated or technical movement patterns in sport. Um, it's just really interesting how much information you can get just by watching somebody walk. Cool. And so prerequisites, what about stuff like, I mean, I guess it all ultimately comes back to prerequisites. I can talk. Um, (laughs) But also I think, I would think that like a volume, like a too much, too soon can greatly accelerate those problems that might be fleshed out in um, for sure prerequisites absolutely it's you know tying it back to like your sweat equity so it's like people skip the prerequisites and go like I'm gonna go hard I'm gonna go fast because I want to leave my body on the you know whether it's the field or whether it's the gym floor so it's going way too fast and there hasn't been tissue adaptation and that has to happen again back to those prerequisites with tissue um, if you, we don't give the, the body time, if you're going from a ser- sedentary state, and I always tell people that have more of like the office job, they become like their sedentary endurance is insane. Like I can't sit that long. If you watch like an engineer, like literally they can sit for like 10 hours straight. And you're like, that is the craziest amount of sedentary endurance I've ever seen. Yeah, you know, like, they're like hunched over and just yeah, neck, and their body forward. Yeah, exactly. the body's adapted, and you're like, okay, well, you can't take that guy and like, hey, now go lift super heavy, super fast, you know. But that guy wants to go and do that and skip all the prerequisites to like preloading the tissue, understanding the steps to like. They don't have to understand it like totally intellectually, but the right. motor control that goes into being able to lift proficiently. So. Yeah, you gotta you gotta take all these like pieces and understand you can't go too fast because your body has to adapt. And that adaptation is like back to the prerequisites that we need to have for our tissue to adapt to load over time. Because at a certain point, you, this is where you know my profession starts to see it's like they didn't have time to adapt to the the new movement or to the load, and now there's like a drop because their performance drops because now there's an injury. And now they can't come out of that and they keep loading it and loading it. And now they're stuck in this, like, forget inflammation. They've passed that phase. Now they're getting into these, like, tendinopathies. Then those tendinopathies lead into bone spurs. I mean, it just cycles through. And then now you have, like, a a full thickness tear, say, in the shoulder and one of the rotator cuff muscles. So it's definitely something that we can um, educate everybody about a little bit more. But it is... um, it's a process for sure but I always go back prerequisites it's like what are those prerequisites categorically and then we branch off of that patience it's not an easy thing (laughs) (laughs) 
K-A-K-A Robin's history. Anyway. Um, so, Robin, if so, go ahead. If, and just trying to take that, um, I, I totally agree. And um, just to apply it to kind of what we're doing right now, um, this time we're sheltering in place. And we'll keep coming back to the same theme. But what you're talking about right now, um, meeting prerequisites, uh, I feel, and I know Ben and I and Mike have, have talked about this, this is a great time to look at your prerequisites. Like, take a step back and go back and see if you pass these little tests, for want of a better word, like movement screens or tests. And, um, and we can get online and do these now. It's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's not as good as being in person. But there's lots of opportunity if you don't even know where you are in these prerequisites. And maybe you're starting to think, maybe I did skip something. Maybe I did go too hard, too fast. Maybe something hurts. Like, we can actually go back and look at these basic fundamental patterns like hinging and squatting and kind of address those right now at home. It's a great opportunity. Absolutely. You don't need equipment to look at movement like Ben and Mike do and just watching somebody walk. That's zero equipment. And somebody can easily also record that for you guys, which is something that I always ask when people are in the gym. It's like, or if the coach is there, like, hey, can you record that lift so I can watch? Like, and I can slow it down and use huddle to like draw on there and kind of talk to you about like what I'm seeing and why maybe it might be causing a problem. We can never say it's like for sure the reason, but we can start to like break it down and break it out and talk about it. Like, here's what's missing. This is what we might want to add. You know, how do we work together to, to get you to perform, you know, a jerk or a snatch if that's the goal for the, for the patient or the client. I mean, Robin, we saw it yesterday with a client fixing her squat just in a 30 minute session, a couple tweaks to help her get out of a little bit of knee pain. I mean, it's, it's fascinating what you can do just via a computer and film. And it has me wanting to go nerd out and watch football now. (laughs) (laughs) This session with the client yesterday was a great example because it was so, so basic and simple. And she was just blown away. She's like, Oh, that's it. I just need to not go as deep and turn my feet out more. Like, done like and she's like it doesn't hurt and just their face when they're like it doesn't hurt and it was so simple and I can still do my thing like and and Ada and I talk about this all the time like she gets that she's not the physical therapist that's telling you oh yeah you shouldn't be doing that (laughs) your body can't do that you're too old you're too this you're too that she never says that it's always about this is how you can do it safely and um and finding that for people it takes you got to put your ego on the shelf and it takes patience and and I think having a plan, and that's something we can give them with help from people like Ada. Like we can say, this isn't forever. Here are the steps. Once you get to this position, then you'll get to go to here. And um, and if people have a plan and they stick with it, they'll be so much better off. Um, and, and sadly, they won't see Ada as much, but they won't oh, be in pain good. either. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, great, great stuff. Thank you, Ada. Moving on. Yeah, we talked a little bit about how you collaborate, but um, can you talk specifically about kind of how a CrossFitter would see you and us and how that kind of process would work? I mean, obviously, if they're really broken, we send them to you um, and you kind of get them back to where they can come back to us. That's kind of what I would call like the back end. 
Um, but there's also a front end where maybe we notice something's a little off with their movement and it's not something that we can fix. We try all our little tips and tricks and we feel like we need to, um, you know, send them out to someone, an expert. And that's when we send them to you. And that can be on the front end when we're starting to see someone and we see a potential for, um, harm or injury and we send them to you. I think one of the, the biggest things that I've, I've learned so far from not only collaborating, collaborating with you guys, but just collaborating in general is that sometimes even for myself, like I may not see something, somebody else picks up on it and it's just like a little nuance. And all of a sudden it's like everything clicks. Literally, it could be a very simple thing as like, oh, I actually wasn't paying attention to the fact that this person's, you know, shoulder flexion isn't like they can't stack under a straight bar, but they can press, you know, at an angle. You know, we can build them back up because they actually are missing maybe some trunk stability, something that I picked up on or maybe something that the coach picked up on. But then we come together and meet in the middle. That has been the, the one thing that I've learned the most and like collaboration a lot of times is really just like having a different lens and perspective because I'm seeing them for the first time or they saw it goes the other direction you're seeing them for the first time something that I didn't pick up on and it's like oh hey did you check maybe like every time they squat they toe out quite a bit on the right side I didn't notice that and you're like oh yeah you know what let me let's go through a hip assessment and then sometimes unfortunately you find out that the, the patient has a labral tear in their hip and that's why they're favoring the hip so, you know, through an orthopedic test, you would determine that. But you, as a coach, might notice, like, it doesn't matter. I can try to box squat them. I can try to, you know, change the angle of the squat. They're still really towing out, and they're avoiding the hip, but I don't know why. So that collaborative piece is what makes, I think, what we do together even more powerful. It's like, what did you see? What did I see? Where do we come together? And I always try to loop that back, especially when I do work with you guys. It's like having somebody come in, it's like, what are you doing with your coach? And then what, what does that look like? And then, hey, let me ping the coach and send a message. Or, hey, let me send over these exercises that I'm thinking about as a suggestion for, like, your warm-up and see how that fits into your programming with Mike or Robin or even with Ben. Um, how, do we, how do we use this similar language? Because we are still all coming from the same, you know, the fundamentals haven't changed. Our bodies haven't, like, evolved to that, you know, my legs are where my shoulders are or anything weird like that. We're all, we all kind of move in the same sort of planes, multi-planar movement, but we all kind of have different lenses that we come from. And then we can put those lenses together to better help the patient or the client. So it's collaboration. What do you do with the patient? I don't know if you run into this as much as we do, but you know what they need to do. They, you tell them, we all tell them, together and they still just don't oh, know I just wanted to do I just want to snatch with a barbell I just want to squat heavy and <clears throat> um, is that something do you run into that a lot or all the time yeah all the time like I think there's uh I think we we can all attest to it I can attest to it myself sometimes we have like an illusion of how we move and we think like we can actually do more than we actually can or whatever it is um, and sometimes we push harder than we should and that's how we ourselves get injured and we're like, you know, we can all talk about our own injuries because of, our, you know, our narrow lens. Uh, but a lot of times what I try to do is I just try to share information. Um, I think video is really powerful for a patient that has is coming from that space to show them like, yeah, yeah, I think it's great that you have that goal, but you could probably get there faster if we just cleaned up some of the things. I think 
for me, it's always like, where can I meet the person? If it's realistic to meet them halfway, can I meet the patient or the client halfway? And can I educate them enough so that then they become the owner of sort of that next step versus me telling them what to do? They become more um, educated with their own body, maybe through film or maybe reading an article, and then they can identify like, oh, yeah, I probably need to do this first before I get into the bigger sexy movement because I actually, you know, I, I can't actually do it. And that's why I keep blowing out my back. That's very common. It's like your back's out again. You know, it's like now you have another herniated disc or whatever it is. But it's like I can't knock people for being passionate about moving. Like I love movement just as much. So it's like there's a there's a balance. And I think it comes back to education, uh, empowering the patient or client to understand what they may be doing wrong and how to do it better and then giving them those tools and then wishing them the best because there's there is a point where like that's all you can do um and if they don't want your help in that capacity you've exhausted everything then they're, they're, they will find somebody else that's going to say yes to them and, and just they'll continue to move poorly and they'll end up coming back and seeing me at some point because they had surgery <laughs> but that's usually how it works out unfortunately but yeah i think we all do our best in educating and showing and empowering the person to see it and own it for themselves and then they can make the corrections if they want to that's just a tough situation like you're saying sometimes it's out of our hands after we do a certain number of things i always try and have a conversation around time with people like what's more important how quickly you get there or how long you stay there and Normal, and sometimes that doesn't even work either. But like, if they really want to like get to this level of performance, great. But if you want to stay there, you really got to you know build the foundation and do things right. But it's a tough sell. We're not wired to be really long term thinkers uh, by our nature. It, it's tough. No, one hundred percent. That is the for sure the hardest sell. And I can speak from like it doesn't have to be a professional athlete that thinks that way. Oh. it's across the board across the board for sure um but education i think if we all have the, the right intention in educating the client or patient like this is the information this is what you have and this is how you can actually move even better and you can be stronger like you won't like plateau where you're at um sometimes you know it works sometimes it doesn't and you just gotta, I always say, you just gotta, exa- I always exhaust it. I'm like, I'm gonna try as hard as I can to inform and, and also leverage the coach when we're all working together and we're all communicating the same message. The buy in tends to increase. Um, that's one thing that I've learned time and time again. You have like a community of people that's, hey, like, we gotta, we gotta bring you back a little bit. Um, and most of the time, the client respects their coach, that's why they're working with you. They respect the clinician, um, you know, so it's a, it's, it's a team effort that makes the, the change a little bit more powerful sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ada, why do you love carries so much? Carries? Carries. Oh, carries, loaded, like, I was like, who's Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> I love her. put this on the list. I've just, like, thought of this. I remember... <laughs> First of all, okay, I'm just going off on a tangent because Mike does it all the time, so I get to. Um, do you remember the thing you had me put the, um, the gym belt on my head with a towel? And then I had to crawl backwards carrying the, dragging a kettlebell. 
Yeah, along. Yeah, that was. And I can see you. Um, no, I'm shaking my head because I know how hard that is. That um, is terrible. Uh, <laughs> that's why I'm shaking my head. That's that's personal experience with the torture that that is. <laughs> uh, I think I think loading the body is super important because it gives you a sense what you've or what I've learned so far professionally is a lot of people don't have a sense of awareness. They don't know where they are in space. It's very interesting. Their body map is, for whatever reason, it could be because of trauma. It could be just because they're not the best movers. They don't understand their levers or, you know, you, you, you can, the example I can give you is some people can drive really well in parallel park because the car really does become an extension of their body. So they have this really interesting proprioceptive um, concept of their body and the car. And then you watch other people and they're like, they have no idea. They don't know the dimensions of the car at all. Right. And you're like, do you know that it's like this? Why? No, they, they can't even put that together. So sometimes what I find, find is that you load the body, all of a sudden it grounds people, especially with a carry because it's so simple and you're not changing an angle. Like the person doesn't need to have so much uh, shoulder flexion to do it. They just need to be able to grab something with their hands. And that automatically grip translates to the shoulder, right? So it's like the relationship between our grip strength and our overall health, there's there's a ton of research on that. Um, they're, they're pretty strongly correlated. The stronger your grip, the healthier you tend to be. But most, most important is the health of the shoulder. So the grip and carrying something heavy enough can actually translate to improving your shoulder stability just by grabbing something heavy. So then there's that piece and that gives you information and it gives you more proprioceptive feedback of where your body is in space, also by grounding you more through your feet. So just giving something, somebody something heavy to carry and you can see this when you travel, like older people carrying buckets of water because they have to go and get water. And they're like 75, 80, and like they're upright and they're just grounded and they look so strong through their hands because they are. And that's the, the thing about carries that I love. It's such a simple exercise, super grounding, and the carryover is like systemic. It strengthens your entire body and it gives you a better sense of awareness of where your body is in space is what I've seen um, time and time again when I just put something in somebody's hand like oh there's my arm you're like where was your arm before <laughs> so carries are pretty powerful for sure there you go excellent all right so we've been talking a lot about um gym goers or the gym going population but all of us especially maybe even more so now that we're in this shelter in place thing we all know someone a family member a friend someone who doesn't really go to the gym is pretty sedentary um i'm thinking about a certain friend of mine but um what are oh sorry sorry i keep on banging on the table I guess I'm I'm trying to channel Nikita Khrushchev and uh, John F. Kennedy, but um, I know a terrible analogy for the for the uh, thirty crowd. They won't get it, but maybe someone like my mom is listening to it and she'll totally get it. Uh, anyway, uh, what what are some very common things just so that we can take this to the people we know that people can do to kind of. Um, take care of their joints and just get on the overall path to wellness and to health. Getting out of a chair. Okay. One. No, really. I think um, what I've learned, especially um, 
during this time of like, you know, sheltering in place, um, very few people are comfortable on the floor, um, kneeling, sitting on the floor. Like it's, in, it's super interesting. Um, I think once the first step is literally getting back to the floor. And I think of developmental sequences. It's like, I used to have Robin crawl all the time, right? Because there's something about crawling that's like fundamentally it loads your hips, it loads your, your shoulders. You know, it does so many different things. And that just by itself, just getting somebody to get back onto the ground and then getting back up, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's why the, I like the get up so much because it's like literally like get down to the, watch people. Some people cannot get to, to the floor. They have to find something, crawl their way down, um, and then let alone to get back up. It's it's like they've lost their, their range of motion through their feet, their ankles. Um, so I always talk about uh, really foot health. It starts there. Like the minute we start to look at our aging population that has become very sedentary, you start to look at the loss of like their great toe uh, movement. And that we need that for walking. So it's like, it would be really hard to tell, hey, go for a walk and they don't have foot health, right? So it's like the first thing is literally get comfortable getting down to the floor and opening up your feet. So it's like sometimes if you think of um, the positions that we see in parts of uh, the Middle East or in Asia where people are sitting back onto their feet, like that just that by itself is a pretty powerful movement if you do that daily by itself. But from there you can build up from getting off the floor to standing and from there as a coach you can build in the get up for somebody that's you know a decondition just going up to post from the get up you'll you, i mean i've seen it and i'm like how do you get out of bed you know it's like because they use momentum they're like and they throw themselves out of their bed and you're like what it's a, it, it's a kipping bed get up no it is 100 percent. you should totally like trademark that it is 100% a kip. It's like one, two, three, and like they kip and like, I don't even know how they stand or it's bizarre. And then you watch them walk and the foot doesn't like, you know, those toes aren't splaying. It's like the foot has become like a concrete lock, right? Yeah. So fundamentally, I would say get back back to the, you know, get grounded again, open up your feet. Crawling is very simple. You don't need equipment. You can crawl around your house. If you have a dog, your dog's going to have a great time following you around. Um, and then build that back up to walking in the community mm-hmm. and walking on uneven surfaces. That by itself is so powerful. Like going for a hike every day if you can. Mm-hmm. But that's like, that's it. If you have stairs, if you can't go outside, go up and down stairs. Very very um when you find out how sedentary people have become very few people can go up a flight of stairs so there's your cardiovascular endurance that's also compromised Mm -hmm. so i think you know get back to the floor and once you feel like you have your feet back start walking more and then walk with heavy things in your hands eventually (laughs) for sure start going look at me skipping ahead ada (laughs) go get water (laughs) Go get some water. <laughs> Fill some buckets of water. Yeah. You know how hard it is to carry a bucket of water full? It's super hard. Have you seen that movie, Tribes, where he holds them out and meditates when he's in uh, boot camp for Vietnam? Oh, it's a great movie. It's insane. I'll send it to you. We all can start doing that. We probably all will have to at some point. 
Yeah. Leisure. Damn. That just took a dark turn. Oof. Sorry. Delete <laughs> that bit. It's, it's the one-trip grocery carry. If you can't carry all your groceries in at one time, either you're buying too much or you have a strength issue. Yeah, your bag sucks. Yeah, that, okay, that's fine. Right now, I can see that one. That's a good excuse right now. No, but yeah, I would say, like, the more I think the shelter-in-place order has really taken us back to, again, that word that I was, you know, talking about fundamentals and, like, the prerequisites. It's, like, basic movement basic movement and I think all of our specific um, strength movements and sports specific movements they all go back to those fundamentals and those prerequisites like your foot health matters you don't have foot health you can't do any of these things in standing you have to go back to like a quadruped position or a half kneeling position or a tall kneeling position and build back up and those are all things that we see in you know the beginnings of strength and conditioning as well as in the beginnings of like a rehab setting we start from the ground up usually and then build the foundation that way but the foot is incredibly important to everything else when we're thinking about anything that's complex that requires you to be upright on your feet yeah and it applies to the um, high level athletes too that's what's so interesting a lot of the really good uh, strength and conditioning coaches that Ben and I follow, they have, I mean, they have, like, I'm thinking of one who's uh, now for the Phoenix Suns, but, like, he has basketball players doing, like, basic hinges and stuff like that because they're phenomenal basketball players, but they're kind of setting themselves up down the line for a serious injury because they don't have the hip mechanics and they'll do get-ups and stuff like that. Just so interesting. The sedentary are the ones who need it the most, but everyone needs it at a for um, for health and wellness, well, for sure. Well, Mike, don't forget. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say, Mike, don't forget how he starts his strength sessions. How he started them at Stanford. He took them into the wrestling room, and they literally crawled on the floor for That's ten right. minutes before they did anything. And this was the Stanford men's basketball team, like some of the best athletes you could ever meet, and they, they were crawling on the floor before they went and did their strength session. And they were getting exhausted too, exactly. like the first several sessions. They couldn't, they're having a hard time with that. It's super hard. It's super hard. It's one thing that, um, you know, with our law enforcement group that we work with, the reason why Mark Freeman was like, it's such a great, he was such a great coach to work with our law enforcement officers. We put them in the mat room and they're doing stuff on the mat because they also do, you know, their jujitsu there, but getting them to do basic uh, warm-up drills that draw from gymnastics, like super powerful. It's again, those like fundamentals, getting comfortable with crawling, getting to load the shoulder in a different way um, without a load, it's body weight. Um, And you should be able to tolerate that. You should be able to be in a quadruped position without shoulder pain or hip pain. And what you'll find is like a lot of people cannot tolerate a quadruped position. Forget a push-up if they can't even get into quadruped. Um, but some people will skip and like, I can do push-ups, and you're like, but can you do push-ups? And you see their push-ups, and, yeah, you're, like, and you're like, are those actually push-ups? Right. You're like, quarter, it's like, this quarter squat push-up gang, but, you know, it's, this, it's all the same. Uh, Prerequisites. Yeah. It's a common theme, folks. That's the title um, of it. 
That that's a title. Oh, you're right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um. So, do you have any questions for us? We we have so much knowledge. <laughs> no. Or anything you ever wanted to know about Mike? Now's your chance. No, I'm not doing that. Mike on the spot. No, I think the the biggest. Um, it's not necessarily a, a question and it'll lead into a question, but I really wanted to compliment you guys on the, I've been watching what you guys are doing and I think it's really cool to see how you've adapted and you've really started to, like I, I've called it for me professionally, like using my imagination to recreate, um, you know, something that will benefit my patients. Right. So like, how do we use our imagination to, um, bring value to our patients and our clients and like watching you guys do it has been really really cool like watching you know robin make a sandbag and like just being really resourceful and i think that's really powerful because it's like do you you know you don't give up right now you just become resourceful or you pivot or whatever language you want to use but you guys are doing it and it it looks so different from when i was at cfo and watching you guys coach this is like this is taking all the tools you have and repurposing them. So I guess my biggest question is like, what do you guys think now after having had the opportunity to reimagine the coaching space and how you guys program to what you guys are doing now? Like, is it something that you guys like more or see it becoming, you know, regular programming in the future when we're no longer in shelter in place? What do you guys think about the, this new space that you guys have created? I'll go first just because I talked first. Um, <laughs> it's been, for me, uh, it's been uh, like back to the future because when I first started, I tell this all the time, I started in like, a, I don't know what it was. How big was that, Robin? That place was what, like 200 square feet in the back of that uh, karate store? Yeah. It was kind of like Max's gym is at um, Emeryville, kind of that size, that back we, we had, We had... We had one barbell with just a standard set of plates and everyone brought their own dumbbells and we had one rower and I had to be super creative with that. And we don't even have that now, but for me, I felt, I've talked about this with others before because there are a lot of people who open up a gym and then they got to have like 10,000 square feet and like a million things. And I think in a certain way, their their coaching expertise and development is blunted when you have so many tools. Um, because it doesn't, because you can be lazy. You're like, oh, you can't do that? Here, grab this thing here, and that'll take care of you. Instead of actually looking at underlying issues and structural things and trying to fix those. So I'll say it again, I've said it before, I've found this time to be kind of a blessing as, as a coach. Because, um, And I hope that it'll happen. We keep on conveying this message to clients that this is probably, this is not, this is not a, a bad time. This is a great opportunity to take your training to the next level and to address things that you were maybe that were masked by like a barbell or a pull-up bar or whatever. Um, you're, you're getting distracted by those things sometimes. This this allows people to um, strip their fo- strip away all those things and like laser sight their focus and really focus in on what is important. And also an opportunity on a more philosophical level to ask why like why did you first come to the gym what were you doing you probably didn't even know what a deadlift was for many of our clients 
why before this went down is getting 300 pound deadlift so important is that really why what it's all about so it it's kind of it goes across many levels but for me it's been it's been both fun and it's been on the plus very good as a coach what do you guys think robin ben um well i i just love this the programming i love it that I have been forced to not touch a barbell or a pull-up bar. Ada can attest to this. These are not good tools for me in general. I can use them for lots of things, but other things, I probably shouldn't be using them. So it's been great. Like, like It's like someone coming along and smacking a piece of pizza out of your hand um, and putting a carrot in there. Like, okay, thanks. Because um, I feel better. I feel better, and I'm having way more fun than I had before, and... I love all the funky objects. I'm using them. I'm doing all the workouts. And I love the the tissue health that we're promoting with our tempo and our single leg and our single arm and getting people in these different weird planes with their bleach bottles and their backpacks. And I think they're going to just be so much better off, whether they think they are not, so much better off when they come back if, if they've been following this programming. And to answer the, I, the other question, sorry, Robin. To answer the other question that Ada asked at the end, what, is this something that I envision continuing? Most definitely. I mean, we'll of course go back to the gym and use some traditional gym tools, but I think it would be a huge disservice to our clients and to all of our health and fitness if we just, after doing all this interesting stuff, if we just discard it and pretend like it didn't happen and um, don't recognize all the gains that we've made in various ways um so i fully i already talked about this with ben actually even before the sip order that i wanted to buy sandbags because i felt like we, we again we always have these talks on fridays that's why we did that's that's the birth of this um podcast by the way ben and i had these talks besides the fact that robin said like three years ago that we should i was gonna say <laughs> but but what really pushed me over the edge was the two of them i guess in their different ways. But anyway, that's, see, I'm going off on a tangent, but we had already talked about sandbags. And so, although I never wish this situation on anyone, it has benefited us in that sense that now clients are starting to see the benefit of these unwieldy objects. Um, that's just one side point. I know Ben wanted to say something too. Well, Mike, you're kind of stealing our words. Cause I mean, that was literally our conversation after the open was, yeah. okay, how do we start to, translate some of the things we're seeing deficiency wise and the breakdowns and the imbalances and the the aches, the pains, the things we always see in the gym and how do we start to fix them through the way in which we program, you know, balancing people out right to left, you know, hinge to squat, all of that stuff. Um, It was kind of like, well, now you have to, what do you, what do you got? And I think it's been a wonderful challenge for us as coaches to, to figure that out. Um, and I think it's made me far, far better as a coach to understand that. And then now how to apply that in a digital and kind of virtual setting of like, okay, I can't touch you and tell you what to do with your knees in this squat, but I can, I can now say it, I can create creative with my words and my language is actually getting better so that someone now understands it without, the tactile movement of it. Um, since I probably won't be able to touch anyone for a very long time, <laughs> it's going to help. 
a lot. Um, and it's, it's cool that like the things we talked, I mean, how, how many times do we have a conversation and um, I'm going to name drop Steve Pan here, but like Steve always is like sandbags, you need to do auto or this. And, and I would always come to you and go like, all right, Steve, Steve and I had a pontification again. And how do we do this in our programming? Um, and it was that, that stimulus of like that balance between the beautiful loading of a barbell, but then the odd object and fluidity and almost some, my hands don't show it, but the softness of a sandbag, you know what I mean? And like how, how like it's not as rigid and allows someone like Robin to get away and get into positions now because she doesn't have the rigidity of the barbell or the pull-up bar and those type of things like holding her back. It, it, it's, I think hopefully for the folks that are work, doing the hard work, um, it's going to long-term give them massive benefits that they never knew um, through all this. And they're going to come out not only like physically stronger, but also mentally, emotionally, um, you name it, stronger in the long term. So I, that's really cool to me. That was a really yes, awesome. we will be continuing this in some fashion for sure. We're really excited to actually apply all this stuff. Definitely. IRL. Oh. That was a really long answer to Ada's question. No, but I love it. Uh. Especially <laughs> like, you know, I know both you and Robin, Ben, I don't know your history with CrossFit, but I know where like CrossFit really was like what Robin was saying the other day is like in the garage and you're like, you didn't have a bunch of stuff. You just use what you had. And like a lot of it was body weight initially. And then, you know, it's gotten, it's grown and evolved over time. So it's really interesting to see you guys like pivot so fast. And I don't know if you're paying attention to everybody else around you and whether or not they made the, the transition as quick as you guys did, but I saw it happen like that first week. You know, so to me that I was like, I was so happy to see you guys, like whatever you guys did as a team, you guys just like kept your community together and came up with a solution very quickly. And the solution for me has been like so exciting. So I'm like, oh my God, they're doing all this, like really like the movement is the fluidity, which Ben was talking about with the sandbag, like you, it, you know, you don't have to conform to a straight line. It's like it just, it, you can hug it, you can do whatever you need to do to it. And it's way more practical and it's just as powerful when it comes to like the loading lens, right? So I'm like, I hope, I hope, you know, this becomes like your uh, part of the programming, the, the new vision, or like you said, back to the future. It's like, it kind of is, but that's kind of where, you know, that's where we primal, you guys use that word. Like that's how we got strong before. So it's kind of cool to see you guys like pivot and take us kind of back to that. I, I think it's exciting. So I'm excited to hear that you guys are like really thinking about it and transitioning it the, into the, the new normal or, or whatever we want to call it. I, was, I was thinking about that the other day because what are we, what are we five weeks in now? I don't even know. I can't remember. Six. I think it's six. Six. Okay. I think it's 42. So this week, <laughs> <laughs> this week was actually the first week that I um, wasn't playing catch up. Like I'm actually done with like got, this whole time I've had these deadlines and just my own deadlines. I don't even, Robin and Ben don't even know that I've tried to finish stuff and I've always, it's always stretched into Sunday for things that I wanted to finish on Friday. But this week I got all my Friday things done on Friday. And, uh, and I was thinking, wow, this is like, 
I don't even want to say it's the new normal. I think it's normal. The new normal is going to be when we go back to the gym, that's going to be like another shock to me. That's how I finally, however many weeks it is, it's been transitioned into this is normal now. I, I, I kind of like it. I like it too. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like, I, I like the, the, this a lot more. And I think I would echo what Mike said. It's, um, everything kind of pauses a little differently and you have time to like take it all in and refocus your priorities um and driving like i'm not driving really anywhere so (laughs) i'm walking or riding my bike or you know it's like i'm way more active than i have been in the last couple years um even though i'm in a space with equipment but i was never like hiking as much as and now i just have time to have time to allocate towards that So it's like, again, back to your programming, like I love seeing that it's like you guys are spending time with family or bringing family into the training or, and that's what the community I think is really looking for. And that's what I'm seeing on my side as an observer. It's like, this is so cool. The CFO community is still connected to you guys, but then now there's this very like personal touch, which I I know Robin was never, you know, really big on like showing herself working out on Instagram, but like people want to see that because it's very human or Mike. Ben, Mike, I don't think I could even get a picture of Mike back in the day. Like, to see Mike and, like, the memes you guys come up with, like, people love that, or your community loves that. So it's exciting. Like, I think that's, it seems more organic as an observer, and it's really exciting to see that the transition is a healthy, a healthier transition for everybody. Like, it's super positive. So I'm excited for you guys, and I'm happy that it's, a like, the new, new for you guys like the new it's the normal yeah 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 cool all right do we have anything else for ada guys thank oh, you talk to ada for hours but no not Did for today welcome to the podcast <laughs> that sounds thank like you so no. much ada thank you personally ada i mean we have a hashtag i didn't come up with it but it's dr ada saves and dr ada does save when you're in your darkest, deepest, oh my God, I'm never going to feel good again. I'm so much pain. I can't, I'll never get to do, that's that's the sad part. That's where Ada comes in is when you're like, I'm never going to be able to do my CrossFit again or whatever your sport is. She will get you back. And it's and she did that for me and I was in a really dark place. So I'm going to get really misty. But um, so personally, thank you for that. And for, you've done that for so many of our clients. So and they'll all attest to that. So thank you for that. And just thank you for being an ongoing collaborator with us. We find you very valuable as a collaborator and as a human. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. What I wanted to say is like when we first, when we first brought Ada into our space, I think the, the um, idea was that we were helping her out or maybe that was like the, the thought but I think in the end she helped us out far more than we ever helped her out so thanks for that Ada hey no thank you guys I, I, I still to this day it's like there's been so much reciprocity between the relationship that we have in a very a very organic way and I still have the pictures of the office like the before and after but I, I, you know, that was a, a meeting I had with Robin at Blue Bottle. And I was like, hey, Robin, I have this thing. And I want to know if you guys would support it. And 
you know, fast forward, like here we are just kind of talking about it and reflecting, but just as much as, you know, I, I want to let you guys know how important you have been to my professional growth. Um, I say that all the time um, to the community that you guys service because it's true. I, I definitely have grown a lot and it all started in that little office at the gym in Emeryville. So it's super rad to see the, the growth and then to see us sitting here talking about we're reimagining our professions and how we're doing it and <laughs> virtually talking about it and getting to see you guys in a, in a capacity that I know neither Robin nor Mike were comfortable in before <laughs> um, showing their face to the world all the time. So thank you, thank you so much. And this opportunity also, I'm really happy to get to chat with you guys in your community. All right. Thanks, Ada. We'll do it again. Thank, Thank you, you, Ada.